We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oklahoma City Thunder select Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga University. What a pass. Giddy underneath for JRE. The reverse and the rookie-to-rookie action. SGA defended closely by Westbrook. Tough. Step back. Gets up the shot. Bakes This is Udart. You're listening to the Uncontested. What is up and welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. Coming to you guys live Monday, April 10th with a special episode. I'm your host, Jacob Niffin. And with me today, I've got my guy, Mason Ginsberg, who covers the New Orleans Pelicans for Boot Crew Media. And he's on the in the N-O or no. I don't know how I'm supposed to pronounce that, Mason. I probably should have asked before we started. What Do you, do you say in the N-O or do you say in the no? In the know. Come on. In the know. In the, in the know podcast. Uh, he is all things New Orleans Pelicans basketball. Mason, thank you so much for hopping on, dude. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Good to be here. Well, I say good to be here. Good to be talking to you. I'm not sure if, if Pelicans fans would agree that's good to be here in this play-in game, but, but we'll yeah. get there. Man, going into Sunday, correct me if I'm wrong, Mason. Going into Sunday, there was a chance that the Pelicans could be fifth. <laughs> is that right? And That's right. Uh, destined for a date with the Phoenix Suns again. Instead, all the way down to ninth, although the game that you uh, and covered and your your team that you cover played yesterday, uh, probably the most eventful game of the day, at least. Suns gave a, the Clippers, the, 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 the C-team Suns gave the Clippers a run for their money for, for a while, but I think everyone knew what the inevitable conclusion of that was going to be. And so, I mean, at the, the, going down the stretch of that last of that game in the last few minutes, you already, you already knew that the Suns had lost, and so the Pelicans were only playing for eighth, which lessened the sting a little bit, but still kind of tough, 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 tough uh, way to wrap that last game. Definitely. Well, at least you don't got guys throwing punches on the bench. Um, <laughs> I think we both at least have that positive going for us. Yeah. So, Mason, before we dive into breaking down this 9-10 play-in matchup that will take place in New Orleans Wednesday, 8.30 p.m. Central Time, uh, I wanted to start off. So you cover the Pelicans. You are not a a Thunder guy at all, but 
I figured we could start off. I want you to give a few things, a few positives that you've seen, things that you like. They they don't have to be like intricate basketball stuff, right? You could just say Josh Giddy's hair is nice, right? But a few th- positives about Oklahoma City. I will return the favor as a as an olive branch on things that I enjoy about the New Orleans Pelicans before we really start to uh to dissect this game. Yeah. Um I think first and foremost, before we get into any players, I love that OKC went for this. Like the fact that they're in the plan is awesome. And it's not like, like Utah, Utah could have, right? Like you, I mean, Utah could be in the spot that Oklahoma city is in. They clearly made, made it, they made it clear. Their schedule of the close season was really hard. All right. So I'm not, I'm not saying that they underachieved by any stretch, but they were within striking distance for a while. And I think you kind of got the sense that they really didn't care that much about getting here. OKC, not not at all i mean you know you that i think i i think the outside looking in was expected that this would be another you know rebuilding year not to say i don't i don't think okc was projected to be anywhere near the bottom of the standings obviously but i mean there was a wide range of i think of expectations for where they could end up and the fact that they're in this position to play some postseason basketball is really awesome and I'm glad I'm glad they're there. Like I'm so much happier that OKC's in the spot than Dallas for a number of reasons. But um, you know, uh be, beyond that, um, I think about some of the individual matchups between these two teams. And I mean, I'm not sure what I need to say about Shea that y'all I'm sure haven't already said. Um, but he's gonna be a problem for the Pelicans. Um his ability to draw contact, get to the line. Um, the Pelicans have um you know, we'll talk about the Jonas situation and, and who the heck is going to play center. Um, and, uh, you know, but I'm very curious to see what they do to try to keep him off of the free throw line, mostly because the Pelicans can't afford. I think for anyone who who kind of watched the any part of the Timberwolves game, the Pelicans aren't very deep right now as far as guys they trust. And so if anyone gets into foul trouble, it's not a good thing for them. Uh, which is a weird, a very strong departure from earlier in the season where the Pelicans really, the, the depth was their calling card. They've had so many guys contribute at a high level. Um, I think the last thing I, I would say is um, the he's obviously had an impact uh, for the Thunder throughout the season, but, but Lou Dort just, you look at the on-off numbers for him against the Pelicans specifically, and, and the guy is just, when he's playing, the Thunder beating the Pelicans. <laughs> Um, and so I, I imagine he's going to draw the Bernie Ingram matchup. Same with Herb Jones on Shea. It's going to be really awesome to you know, kind of cross-matching, watching those two situations unfold. Um, but I, that's another thing I'm really curious about, how how the Pelicans can really create <laughs> create some separation for B.I. And, and kind of let him do his thing without Dort smothering him. And so um, I think all, all those uh, very, very uh, you know, get ourselves ready for a very what could be it should be a very fun matchup between between these two teams um so i mean all their games the last one i guess notwithstanding but all their games this season besides the most recent one have been very close and so I yeah the same thing all within i think four points um from my perspective for the pelicans a really fun team that i had as like a western conference finals contender preseason um, obviously, injuries play a massive role in that, uh, which is unfortunate. But, man, Mason, I got to tell you, up until about probably late January, 
I was sitting here. We we would get on this podcast, and before we would go live, we would kind of talk about what's going on in the NBA. And I would just sit here and think, the Pelicans, this damn team, is going to get Victor Wembenyama from the Los Angeles Lakers, and Man. I'm going to be so pissed off that they're going to have both Zion and Wemby now that uh, that pick swap much more like together, so it's not going to be a huge swing in either way. Although you never know what happens with with lottery odds, but uh, I thought you guys were going to land another like top five pick uh, per the Lakers, and I was just like, man, number one, like shout out to New Orleans because that's incredible. But just a lot of the young guys you you all have as well. I I like players that really um, just get after it, have quote unquote have that dog in them, and. One of my favorite Pelicans memories from this season was the Rising Stars Challenge and seeing Jose Alvarado uh, just go berserk and like hit that game winner and just the passion he plays with. And I feel like a lot of guys in New New Orleans have that, like the Trey Murphy breakout this year. That dude freaking kills. He's awesome. So I think New Orleans has a really fun team that I could see over the next half decade kind of mirroring the thunder as far as they have all the pieces to continue like a meteoric rise up the Western conference as teams like golden state and the Lakers and the Clippers kind of age out. And so I think it's a really fun team and I think it's going to be a really fun matchup. I will tell you, I was rooting for new Orleans to win Sunday night because I would have much rather have played the Minnesota Timberwolves, especially after Jaden McDaniels got in a fight with the wall and the wall won. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I felt a lot better about that matchup, but here we are. No. So Mason, let's start off with the Pelicans lineup. You mentioned earlier in the season, the bench was a, a great contributor for this team. Now they're, they're kind of short on the bench. Uh, they have some injuries. What do you, what does the lineup look like for you Wednesday night? Are, are the Pels going to go with eight guys, nine guys, um, who, what's the short list of guys they trust and what does that minutes allocation kind of look like? Yeah, well, I think you have to use the most recent game as the, as the barometer here. And if that's the case, then it's an eight man rotation. Um, and even that is uh, pushing it because you've got your starting five, you know, which, you know, is about where the confidence probably ends um, with, uh, with CJ, Trey Murphy, Brandon Ingram, Herb Jones, and Jonas. Beyond that, the guys that Willie Green went to were Josh Richardson, played 29 minutes. Um, Najee Marshall played 12 minutes. And then Larry Nance played 17. And those were painful minutes, not because I, I'm a big Larry Nance fan, but the guys, he seems a little broken down. I mean, like he he came back from an injury before he – when other players would have sat. And you can kind of see that he's just, you know, it's, he was kind of laboring up down the court. Willie mentioned the post-game press conference. Um after the Minnesota game that he took him out because it looked like something was bothering him. So I don't really know what version of Larry Nance we're going to get on Wednesday. And if that's the case, I don't really know what to tell you beyond, I know Josh Richards in the rotation and I would expect Najee Marshall's in the rotation. Dyson Daniels was in that rotation every game up until the last one on Sunday. So I think just, I think Willie just tightened it up and, and, and took him out just because it was a game they felt like they had to win, but that's really what you're looking at. I mean, I, I don't think there'll be any surprises unless if Larry Nance, can't go. I, I would expect that go that Willie goes to Jackson Hayes, who played playoff minutes for the for the Pelicans against the Suns last season. So it seems like the intuitive choice, but that's 
I think that's pretty much it. I, I don't really see um, anyone else cracking the rotation unless Dyson gets back in. Interesting. I really like Dyson Daniels a lot. We have a, a comment over here in the chat that says they were high on Daniels during last year's draft. Um, same. I think Dyson Daniels is a great long-term piece for new Orleans. The Jackson Hayes angle actually kind of interests me. Jackson Hayes caused some problems for OKC uh, in a couple of games this season, just because the Thunder don't have somebody that large and that athletic uh, to really hang with him. I specifically remember, I think it was the last game right before Christmas uh, when new Orleans came to Oklahoma city and the Thunder were in a great position to win that game, but Jackson Hayes kind of turned the top points. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Maybe the best game of Jackson Hayes' career. I don't know. Um, But a lot of offensive rebounds, putbacks, lobs that the Thunder just struggled to defend. Uh, So that angle is actually kind of interesting to me, knowing the the recent history with him. Um, You talked about the Sunday game and kind of using that as a barometer. Going back before the Sunday game, though, uh, let's say maybe two weeks or so, how are the Pelicans trending? Like, for instance, Minnesota is kind of like limping into that 7-8 matchup. Um, quite literally, they also probably have some casts on some hands. Um, if Dallas made it, they definitely would have been limping into the play-in. Uh, where does New Orleans fall with that? Uh, have they been on a, on a hot streak? Is it just kind of middle ground? What have you seen? I think it depends on who you ask. Because if you look at just the, the, the record over the last couple of weeks, it's a hot streak. I mean, but if you kind of peel back the onion a little bit, they're they're beating a bunch of bad teams, um, and the Clippers. <laughs> and I so I I mean I I think you know there's reason for optimism, cautious optimism as far. As, but but I think the the problem and what's been going on with the Pelicans really ever since Zion's injury is that they struggle against good defenses. This this team struggles to create offense when they, it's not kind of spoon fed to them. Um, you know, they've got a good, a couple really good isolation players in Brendan Ingram and CeCe McCollum. They've got a really, really good floor spacer in Trey Murphy, who's becoming more than that. Um, but the offense, like when you look at the Pelicans season long statistics, they're a top 10 defensive team and, and like a, a 20th offensive team, which seals backwards when you look at the roster, right? Like you would expect the opposite with Herb Jones being the only guy you point to and saying that guy, that guy gets stops. But but really, the team credit to Willie Green that the team is bought in defensively and like they can interchange players and still have success. On the other end, though, there's a lot of questions to be asked about the overall offensive game plan for the Pelicans because good defenses grind them to a halt and it gets ugly. And so that's why I kind of say it depends on who you ask because they've won the games they're supposed to win. That's something they've, they've done all season minus the, the stretch in January without both Ingram and Zion. Um, but they've against good defenses, this team has frequently struggled. And so that's one of the reasons I'm I'm so curious about about this this matchup on Wednesday night. Very good. Um, yeah, the Thunder, you talked about beating teams that are worse than the Pelicans and they're winning the games they were supposed to. The Thunder had a chance to climb up, uh, possibly even the six after a huge win out in LA as well, uh, the night that Paul George got injured, came home for what I argued on this podcast, the easiest stretch of the season, a stretch that you had to dominate. Uh, who'd they play? Portland. Uh, when Portland started sitting everybody, they played Detroit, Charlotte, and the Indiana Pacers with no Miles Turner, no uh, Tyrese Halliburton, and Thunder go two and two on that stretch, which just felt like 
a monumental letdown, almost one and three. If J Dub doesn't tip in a last second uh, missed shot, like not even last second, last half second to beat Detroit. So I almost feel like it's the opposite with the Thunder. They're kind of limping in here. Uh, the last game that the starters played Thursday night against the Utah Jazz. I mean, Shea Gilgis-Alexander looked like he was struggling just to get up and down the court. Just so many miles on those legs this summer or, or this season. Uh, I believe he and Josh Giddy have both played 500 more minutes this year than they did last year. So this team kind of running out of gas. So them getting to rest Sunday, uh, you said you're going to use Sunday's game as a barometer for the Pelicans rotation. Definitely can't do that with OKC. Uh, they sat everybody. Um, but hopefully that that rest for them. Uh, at least that allows them to have a little bit fresher legs coming into this night. So what do you think the team mindset is? Like, obviously it's got to be a letdown getting ninth instead of fifth. Like that's, that's a massive slide in one day. Um, but what is the mindset of this team? Like, are they, do you think they're dejected or let down that it's only the ninth seed and it's another uphill climb like last year fighting through the play in? Um, or is it a, hey, we haven't had Zion for most of the year and we're still here. We're happy to be here and we're giving her our best shot. It's hard to say. I mean, I think I, I really do believe that they're going to look. Willie Green got them through this exact same situation last year. Um, I really believe that they're going to come and they don't they don't want their season to end on their home floor. I can I can say that pretty confidently because it, it's got it's got to be like that one game at a time mentality. Right. Because, you know, you don't want to lose that game on your home floor against OKC. Then next game, you you certainly assuming the Lakers take care of business against Minnesota, which is an assumption. It's not. It's definitely not. not especially with Gobert out, I think Minnesota could bomb threes left and right, and we could be looking at an upset. But if we assume that they that Pelicans in a play would win and play would play Minnesota at Minnesota again, they're going to remember what happened on Sunday, and they're not going to want that to happen again either, right? And then if you get there to the eighth seat to the eighth seat against Denver, the Pelicans. Denver is one of those teams that weirdly enough, the Pelicans did okay even without Zion against the Nuggets. So as a player, I mean, I'm not talking to myself as upsetting the Nuggets as a, as a one seed without Zion. But as a player, sure. Like you you, you should, you can and should be as a, as a competitor thinking that way. And so I, I really do think that this one game at a time mentality is going to create a let's go get this. Uh, and Willie Green is for, you know, um, you, know a, a, you can say some good and not so good things about him as a coach. But he gets his players ready uh, as far as like kind of mentally. I think that's something you saw last year in the play. And, and I think that the players trust him and believe in him. And so um, I do expect that they'll be ready to go for this game. Um, I'm more questioning about uh, how how the rotations shake out and, and how they attack that. But we'll, we'll get there. Definitely. It's, uh, you know, I've wondered the Thunder, the players have very much wanted to make the play in this year. They've been outspoken about it. But for them, I feel like it's almost like playing with house money. Like you weren't supposed to be here. Now you're here. You're not at home. You're on the road. Suppose like, last year. Same yeah, thing. exactly. You know, if you win, hell yeah, that's awesome. And if you don't, it was still a wildly successful season. And you still get a lottery pick. You know, so this kind of just feels like the cherry on top for the season. With that being said, I can't speak for the Thunder. But for myself personally, like I want them to win. Right. Like I want them to win because this podcast will have a hell of a lot more downloads if they win versus if they lose. Um, three things the Pelicans got to do to win this game. You've kind of talked about the rotations, uh, the inverse of the defense versus the offense and, and what's expected. 
if there were like three specific things the Pelicans have to do or dominate in this game to get this win, what would you say they are? I think they've got they've got to lean into Jonas a little bit more, I think. Um, especially given the fact that Larry Nance doesn't look like he's fully healthy. And that's been one of the bigger gripes from a lot of folks this year is they've, they've turned Jonas into an afterthought really in the offense. And so um, where Laster, who's a key part to their success, even with Brendan Ingram and CJ McCollum, it's looked the other way this year. And so Willie Green tends to be have very, very hesitant to go to him when opponents play small lineups, regardless of what how good the opponent's opposing small lineup is. And so like it took, I was, you know, I, I live in Michigan now and I was at the Pistons versus Pelicans game. And I remember vividly, it took, Deep into the fourth quarter, because um, Willie Green does not like to close with Jonas. He goes close with Larry Nance all the time. The the Pistons were starting New Orleans Noel that game, and Jonas was cooking him all game long. And, and it really took that game getting down to like three points, four points difference uh, before Willie went back and said, "Feed the big man, feed this guy. He's he's you know he's getting buckets in every possession." And so I just don't have a lot of confidence that that's going to happen because it hasn't happened all season. It, and I, I, the, the rare, where I think the Pelicans kind of went astray against the Wolves is Towns had four, five fouls the entire fourth quarter. Um, Willie Green went to Josh Richardson and played small, kind of played Herb Jones at the five with Towns in uh, because he thought Jonas was going to get two blitz on the defensive side. And so um, if that he does that again, I, I have similar concerns because, uh, you know, closing with Josh Richardson is not – I mean, he's a, he's a bench player. He's a role player. And so, um, so that's one, one thing. Um, Herb Jones has to stay out of foul trouble. Um, I, especially with Dyson Daniels likely out of the rotation, the only, the, the next guy after you pretty much have is, is Najee. And I, I mean, Shea is just too good. I mean, I, I think Herb Jones becomes so important as an individual defender. Um, and given the Shea's, uh, you know, ability to draw contact and get to the line, that's something they've got to watch out for. Um, and the last thing is just, I, I they've got a they've got to manufacture high high quality shots. And so, the the tendency when things get tough for is for Brandon Ingram and Caesar McCollum to go isolation and take these tough mid range jumpers. And so, uh, not to make not to say that I'm uh, totally against Bi getting into the mid range and taking the when he's in the paint taking kind of those short mid range mid range shots and rising above our guys. That's money. I mean that that's it's kind of one of those when you're one step two steps in from the from the three point line taking these fall away, these really tough shots. And it's not in a lot of cases, it's not Ingram's fault because the team's just not doing a good job of, of setting him up for success. Um, but they've really, you know, they've got to have guys, uh, they've got to be able to create a good shot profile. And, you know, they've been near the bottom of the league for a lot of the season in three point attempts. That can't happen. You've got to have CJ, BI and Trey Murphy getting threes up or else you're going to be looking at a math problem against most teams you face. Uh, and so that's, again, I think the, the last thing I'd point to. Interesting. Let's let's circle back around to the Jonas Valanciunas stuff um, because I was thinking about this as well, and I kind of had it in my outline here. I looked up these stats. Four games between these two teams this season, uh, Jonas averages 22 minutes a game against the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Thunder, who start a six foot nine rookie second round rookie jay will jalen williams out of arkansas um i mean as far as size wise especially currently in the rotation the thunder have nobody to match up against Jonas. uh i mean jay will will do his best and try to draw some charges and and wall up 
but the Thunder are undoubtedly going to play small. That's what they've done all season long. Um, I didn't think that was originally their plan, but once the Chet foot injury happened, um, they pivoted. I mean, before Kenrich Williams got hurt, they were playing 6'6 Kenrich Williams at center for 20 minutes a game. They were starting this man, starting center, Kenrich Williams, inside the circle for the jump ball. Like, it was ridiculous, but they were able to space the floor offensively. They were to scramble defensively and make it work. Jonas is one of my biggest worries in this game because if the Pelicans do stay with him, I mean, the Thunder are going to have to double, triple down to get the ball out of his hands just because they don't have the size to defend him. You mentioned you don't really have confidence in that. So is that just a defensive thing for Jonas on why they pull him off? I I know you were the one who tweeted the quote from Willie Green yesterday that he basically said they wanted to match Minnesota's small ball. And my thought was, if they want to match Oklahoma City's small ball, Mm -hmm please like let's do that because that's exactly what the thunder want yep yeah um yeah i mean it just comes down to is is willie green going to look at look at shay and say well Jonas is gonna get cooked in the pick and roll and so i'm not gonna let that happen because if you do that then you're negating potentially your biggest advantage of the game which is i mean with Jonas, because like you said thunder have no one to match up with him um and so yeah i am very (laughs) <laughs> it, it, it's it's going to be very interesting to see how they how they play this out. Um, and, and and I mean, I, I look at how Jonas has done against Thunder this season. The most recent game is tough because Ingram was out and and Zion was out, right? And so that's I I, I don't want to point to that one too to to, to, to point as, an, as a strong negative to the Pelicans. So you know when when Ingram or Zion was out, were healthy, those games were all really close, competitive. But the fact that you had no no CJ or sorry no Zion no Brandon Ingram. And Jonas still played 16 minutes in that most recent Thunder game. I, I mean, I, Najee Marshall had seven turnovers and, and he played 36 minutes. So, like, I just have a hard time understanding what rationale to to go with guys versus benching guys are. And so, I I literally have no idea what, what what's going to happen. Yeah, it's it's so fascinating. Like, like you mentioned, I mean, it's do you want to have the advantage on the offensive end and then possibly let shake cook and and coming off screens and getting in isolation with someone like Jonas or do you go smaller and match the thunder which is what they want to do it's going to be a really interesting kind of push and pull uh with this game I think a lot of thunder fans are really worried about Herb Jones Uh, I think if I had to make a list of like the top three guys that defend Shea the best this year uh Herb Jones is number one on that list just the and I'm sure a lot of players probably feel like they don't like to go up against Herb Jones. Just the size, the length, the versatility. He's a freaking monster. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Um. What are some of the other besides Shea just being Shea? And I believe Shea has his career high uh, against the Pelicans earlier this year, albeit in a loss. He went for 44 on like 17 of 29 or something like that. It was a really good night for Shea. Um, what are some other aspects or factors uh, besides the small ball, maybe players from the Thunder that are that you're worried about maybe giving the Pelicans some problems? Uh Honestly, it it kind of all starts and ends with, with him I mean, because that's he he's 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 a James Harden type figure that, that just collapses defenses, right? Um, and so I mean I, I just kind of look and, and I, I think at, at, uh, the Pelicans have been good defending the three point line this year and allowing the right players to get three point looks. Um, and so I, I the the Thunder haven't been able to burn the Pelicans a ton from deep this year. I worry about that <laughs> because I, I just, you know, I don't know if regression regression hits and if they're going to give the wrong guy space because it was, I mean, I think three of their four games, they were shooting like, you know, they were making one and three or, or, or worse right around there. And so um, I think that's, that's the ultimate equalizer um, is, is the three point line. And so um, the Pelicans got, out, outscored by a massive amount against the, the Timberwolves, and it was a big part of why they lost the game. Um, and so I think I, I'm less concerned about the individual matchups outside of, outside of Shea. I mean, because I, I don't think anyone's really burned the Pelicans consistently enough for me to point to anyone. For so sure. I, I mean, J- J- Jalen Williams has has done, has, has, has had a couple of really good games against Pelicans recently, but I don't think I don't expect the Pelicans to like the game plan has to be around neutralizing Shea. Uh, yeah. it, it just has to be. Um, and so like her, the most recent game, Herb Jones had five fouls and he was a foul trouble the whole game. And they're, they're in big trouble if that happens again. Definitely. Um, one Pelican that needs to step up, have a big game if they want to advance to the second round of the plan. If you had to choose one guy, like we assume B.I. is going to go off because B.I. is just insane. You mentioned, I think Lou Dort will get that Brandon Ingram matchup. Uh, 
The problem there is Lou is 6'4", and Ingram is what, 6'10", 6'11"? Like, Lou can be physical and try to keep him from his spot, but you can shoot over him. So we assume B.I. is going to have a good night, but who is one of these role players, one of these guys that has to have a good game in order for the Pelicans to close this thing out? Yeah, I mean, Trey Murphy, that's got to be the guy. I mean, it's easy to say CJ because CJ had a, he's had a a few rough games on the stretch, but I really think they've got to get Trey Murphy shooting. He's got it. I I think I I would go so far as to say he needs to be top three on the Pelicans in field goal attempts um, for, for them to win this game. Um, And that's me hedging a little bit on Jonas and expecting him not to, not to play as much as I want him to play. Uh, But, but Trey Murphy has been an insanely efficient player the entire season. Um, You know, he's, I think like he's uh, over 40% three point shooting 90% from the line. I mean, and he's been scoring in other ways besides just, he's not a spot up three point shooter. He's more than that. And so they've got to involve him. It can't be, your turn, my turn between CJ and Brandon. And to Brandon's credit, he's been when he's at his best, he's been an awesome facilitator. He's made some incredible passes over the last two or three weeks. And so I, I believe that he'll look for Trey, but the Pelicans have to make sure that they put, you know, set him up for for success. Um so um I, I don't I really just I don't want to see CJ McCollum and Josh Richardson mid-range jumpers with 15 seconds left on the shot clock. They've got to work to get the the, the really good shots as opposed to just taking their early shot. Definitely. Um, one of my thoughts in this matchup, and and this is coming from somebody who doesn't watch the Pelicans. That's why I'm asking you this, Mason. Mm-hmm. I've kind of looked at it as there are three guys you got to worry about with New Orleans. You mentioned shut down Shea, and then the rest of the stuff kind of falls in place. For me, it's CJ, BI, and um, Trey Murphy. And if you can slow those three down, that's majority of the Pelicans offense right there. That's what the Thunder should focus on. Not letting Trey Murphy get open threes, uh, not letting CJ get open threes, and just fighting tooth and nail against B.I. to not let him get to his spots or making him work to get to those spots. If you were looking at this from the other side of the coin, from the Thunder perspective, is that kind of where you would go with this matchup? Focus on those three, and if you know, Josh Richardson or Larry Nance or somebody else beats you, then, then that's what it is. But those are the three you got to worry about. I think it's hard to do that and have success with any team. It's keen on three guys. I, if I was OKC, I would kind of, I would let BI cook honestly and focus on making sure CJ and Trey can't get any separation on three point. Um, because then, Interesting. because then what you've got, is Ingram not able to find guys, uh, find good passing lanes, not able to find guys in, for good scoring opportunities. And then he's going to, you know, he, he may feel like he, and because the offense tends to be not, you know, uh, overly simplistic sometimes, he might just end up going to isolation behind mode, which, um, which could, you know, he could get hot. I mean, he, he definitely did. He has at times this year. Um, but I think if you, if you fight like hell to make sure that CJ and Trey aren't getting loose, you're going to make things a lot harder for the Pelicans and for BI to, to be a, a score and a facilitator. Interesting. And then, yeah. Well, and then we'll see what the hell happens with Jonas. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, Mason, last thing before we get out of here, we got to get the official prediction. Who wins? Do you got a score? Do you have a player of the game? Um, doesn't have to be anything specific as far as like one of those things, just a few predictions for this game. Yeah. I am taking the Pelicans in this one. Um, Someone I see someone in the comments mentioning that the refs will swallow their whistle in the postseason as they usually do. I 
I kind of I'm hoping that's the case um, for the I, you know for a couple reasons. One, the, obviously Shea is one of the best foul jar, jars in the league. Um, second is Jonas. I feel like got a really tough whistle against Minnesota. Um, I, I feel like they weren't calling things fairly. I, I'm not saying that they were that the refereeing was skewed towards Minnesota over New Orleans. I think for Jonas specifically, he got kind of mauled on one end and then we're getting, it was getting a couple of touch foul calls on the other end. It just didn't seem, didn't seem right. Um, and so I think that will also benefit him. Um, yeah. And so I think if that happens, um, the Pelicans can win this one, but I really do think if the Pelicans try to go small, um, if, if Jonas plays under 20 minutes, under 25 minutes, it's going to take another Jackson Hayes random blow up game for the Pelicans to win this one. So like I am putting a little bit of faith in Willie Green deciding to go to Jonas just because of the lack of available options. I have no idea. Again, Larry Nance, I'm not sure what his status is going to be. I assume he'll play. I just know it's not going to be, he's not going to be hundred percent. He's just again, worn down from their season and some nagging injuries. And so, you know, we'll see. There's a lot of variables that could, that could impact the outcome here that really go beyond um, just raw player skill sets, you know? Definitely. 100%. Mason, thank you so much for coming on, man. Before we get out of here, will you plug and tell everybody where they can find all of your stuff uh, that you do for the New Orleans Pelicans? Yeah, sure. So um, not really in the writing blogging game anymore, but uh, I do. I'm part of the Booker Media Network. I was actually, you know, uh, Shemit and I, as my co-host for the In The Know podcast, we were with Blue Wire for a while, had a great experience with them. Um, we joined about a year ago on the Booker Media, which is the local sports network um they're doing all you know basketball football all, all, all the works and so um you can find a lot of great content on on their platform all over youtube as well as just uh, the podcast that Shabit and i co-host that's kind of that's my main thing these days um so definitely definitely check it out if you're interested awesome mason thanks so much looking forward to an awesome game on wednesday night you guys can follow mason on twitter he is just at mason ginsburg um the uh, the header is my favorite part of Mason's profile. The king of Pelicans trolls for five years. Prince, excuse me, the crown prince. The crown prince. Apologies. <laughs> Apologies. One day I'll tell you the story about that. I cannot wait. Uh, so you guys go follow Mason for great New Orleans Pelicans coverage. It would be a great follow during the game to kind of get the Pelicans perspective of how things are going. Mason, have a great one. Enjoy the game. And uh, with all due respect, hopefully... I will be doing another one of these ones, and you will not. <laughs> I tease, I tease. Have a good one, man. Appreciate you. Yeah, yeah you got it. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.